So what we do on Let Us Explain is dive deep on something that we can't stop thinking about for other people who can't stop thinking about that thing too. That means we'll be talking about anything and everything. Sometimes that includes spoilers. Spoiler. But before we jump into the spoiler zone, let's talk more generally about Watchmen. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, And joining me, he's a worthy adversary. It's Arturo Zurita. I am so excited to go to Sundance this year to see the president of the United States there. He keeps saying the he's Sundance retiring. Sundancer in chief. Who would have thought Robert Redford would have made a, a president of the United States of America? I mean, a cowboy actor becoming a cowboy actor becoming, yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. I'm excited to talk about this show, mainly because I'm excited to talk about it with you. This man would not shut up about this show. This man was talking about seeing every episode three times before it even came to the finale. He has been saving a lot of his theories, a lot of the talk for this episode right here. And I've been saving a lot of the, um, what's it called? Uh, Devil's Advocate for this. So we're yeah. about to have a good discussion here. You've got here. some qualms. You've got some criticism. I got, I got we'll, a little thing. We'll but... see where that takes us because this is a really interesting show. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Watchmen is the recently concluded HBO series based off of the graphic novel of the same name by Alan Moore. Moore's story, originally published in 1986 and 1987, was a deconstruction of the superhero concept depicting an alternate history in which superheroes are commonplace, including uh, helping the U.S. uh, Army win the Vietnam War Mm -hmm. and stopping Watergate, etc. The new show, led by Lost and the Leftover showrunner Damon Lindelof, expands on this idea, envisioning a 2019 alternate history set after the 1985 alternate history of Moore's comics. Art, I'd like to start by reading you a quote from Angelica Jade Bastian's interview with Damon Lindelof from Vulture. I recommend reading it if you're interested in this show. Okay. I'm quoting Lindelof here. Quote, I vehement, I was vehemently shouting at the top of my lungs, we are not doing Watchmen babies. I don't want everyone on the show to be related to someone from the original Watchmen. It's so predictable, it's predictable and so obvious and we're not doing it. Lo and behold, it felt like the story Gravity. It's the same conversations around Star Wars right now. Is it cooler that Rey is not related to anybody from Star Wars? Or does the demand <laughs> that she... Or does the story demand that she is? Because when you're talking about myth, that's the way that myth works. So, Art, let me ask you. Did Lindelof's show manage to strike a balance between continuing the Watchmen legacy while creating something entirely of its own? Are we going straight to spoilers? Nah, I'd I'd like to hold off on spoilers a little bit here. Okay, because he lied. (laughs) That's like Nolan saying there will not be. A Robin <laughs> in The Dark Knight Rises. And then we see the movie and he's like, hey, technically, that was his nickname. I was like, get out of here. I don't, I don't know if he was 100% with that right there. Uh, he, and that he was... is one of the qualms that we'll get to later in the spoilers, but... Yeah. No. <laughs> For me, that's a no on that, on that quote right there. Was that before or after the finale? That was after the finale. I, I can explain more, but maybe we need to get into spoilers. Okay, yeah, we'll get into that later. Let's talk about the, the basics here. Uh, I, I have been reading the comic back. I had read it a few years ago, like almost technically a decade ago. It's kind of crazy to think. What is time? Right. Uh, I, I had read it a decade ago, and I loved it. Uh, I, I've been reading it again with all the traveling that I've been doing, and I was like, yo, this is really good. Uh, I was only able to finish about 60% of it. Um before I was like, I got to start watching the show. Um, and the show does a really good job of catching you up if you don't know anything about the series. Alina's never read. I think Alina read the book 
along with me 10 years ago. So she hasn't been caught up with it. I know you said you haven't read it in a bit. Right. So, so we're coming at this from different perspectives. You being a, a big bit, yeah. fan of the comics, having uh, seen the movie. And oh, I, I love think, the comic. You know, knowing the context around the movie. Yeah. I've seen the movie, but I didn't watch the uh, I didn't read the comics. So okay. to me, Watchmen is just like a distant memory in a way. Gotcha. Um, the show does a great job if you're a fan and if you've never seen it of catching you up and all these little Easter eggs that they do. I know some people aren't the biggest fans of it. We're going to get to that in a bit with the changes that it makes for sure. Some of which I don't know about. But as a show, season one, nine episodes. They, they didn't even do the full ten. They pulled an Oscars on us for Best Picture. Um a fantastic beginning, middle, and end. It's HBO, so we don't know what a miniseries means to them anymore. <laughs> but whether they do another one, whether they don't, I thought this was a great conclusion. Uh, some people believe the ending is a cliffhanger. I don't see it as a cliffhanger. I see that as the continuation to a complete other story, if what we think happens even happens. Right. Um, great acting. Great. I think you had put this, uh, the way you phrase this, so you can complete the sentence. You go into this world, and you know. That they could do 2011, 2012. Any year, there is an entire layout to the show. Because the way Damon Lindelof works, as Lost being my favorite show, is uh, almost reverse engineering. Mm -hmm. Right? This is a show, uh, HBO's had Westworld. And they've had several other shows dealing with uh, just the way that the narrative is told. Where it requires you to see the entire thing before you pass judgments on anything. This is definitely right. one of those shows where you, you 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 do your theories week by week. And that's exactly what Zach told me. He's like, I know you like binging it at the end, but this is a show where you got to carry on the theories from episode to episode to episode. And as you've been doing, once it's you're a show that it, really benefits from, from trying to put yourself in the mindset yes. of that world and, and figuring like, if this happens, what does that mean? Yeah. If people are having a, if, if, Kids are getting into fights because one accuses another's mother of using red fordations. Like, what does that say about Watchmen's culture in relation to our culture? Exactly. Uh, sometimes I would say it's a little too on the nose. And other times, just started off simple here, right? Uh, it, it was your second favorite show of the year. I had mm. not ranked it yet. I, I would say right now it would probably go somewhere along 8, looking back at my list. I, I can't remember if I had it towards the end. Um, but now that it's fully completed, I would have it at 8, 7. I, I really do enjoy it. But there are some things. Uh, the fish. For those of you who don't know, uh, the squid. There is an event that happens towards the comics that causes, uh, in this world, it reminds me very Magnolia-like, where squid falls from the sky, but that's a normal occurrence. The same way that Vietnam never happening, the same way that, as you said, Robert Redford being president and doing something called Redfordations, <laughs> which, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's a lot of parallels. A there's a way that the show kind of just just begins in the middle of a thought exactly. that I thought was really, really great. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that the squids fall from the sky. Uh, this is a thing that happens and people in that world just sort of stop their cars and turn their windshield right. wipers on. You know, they, they're used to this. Uh, the fact that Vietnam's a state isn't strange to people. Yeah. Something that I love is there are is this uh, white supremacist cult or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it and it's not mentioned but they use an American flag with fewer stars on it because they don't recognize Vietnam as truly part of America and it's that type of deep thinking about the world in which Watchmen exists that I, I was really stunned by and made me really excited to spend like three four five seasons with this show that being said, the way that the first season played out, I, I do feel like 
it ended on a note that feels like a finale, feels like the ending of a story. Which I don't know. Like. I don't know if I need more Watchmen. I feel like it did what it wanted to do and did it excellently. And That's perfect. yeah, I, I as much as I loved spending time in that world, I don't see a need for a second season that being mm-hmm. said there is this narrative going around of like oh well you can't do a second season after this and i'm i think there's a way that a smart writer who like the way that lindelof sat down and figured out a way to do watchmen in 2019 another person can sit down and figure out how to do watchmen after the first season of Watchmen. Yeah, exactly i agree with you until they big little lies it and then it can't just be a season <laughs> two it's got to be a season three or something along with it um I agree with you. All of the details that they put into it, there were some, if I may. Why isn't the windshield wipers already for the squids? Why she even got to get out of the car? There was little things where I was like, if this has been happening since 85, y'all would have found like windshield wipers or the cars would have been completely different to deal with the squid on the streets or something else on the streets. Do you get what I mean? Well, there was, there was like a like squid that. cleanup crew that they there showed. Was, yeah, they got the cleanup crew, but I was like, y'all, y'all don't have windshield wipers for these things already? <laughs> um, there's some other stuff that when we get to the spoilers, but I, again, I really love the lived-in world and just the attention to detail. I ain't even catch the thing with the flag. I was like, oh, Okay, that's pretty interesting. There was a mm-hmm. lot of callbacks, though, narratively, uh, where you go back after seeing episode eight or nine, and you go, "That's what that was there." The whole they put Easter eggs in dildos when Zach sent me that there was the the one of the biggest plot twists was spoiled to you in episode two, three, three through a dildo. <laughs> so, so, do we want to jump into spoilers? Because uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think like we are both. In agreement that it's a show worth your time, although I may be a little bit more excited about mm-hmm. it. Uh, but, you know, there, there's so much to talk about here, and I, I'd love to be able to uh, talk about it without necessarily it, yeah. holding back. So uh, we're going to go into our spoilers se- section. If you can't handle the truth or you haven't seen the series, now's your chance to go watch a spoiler-free edition of the Intercut Podcast, including our recently published Best TV of 2019. Who knows? You may get a little bit more Watchmen talk on that episode, too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if the thing you want to jump to first is the way that episode nine ends and everything starts to come together, or if we want to go a little bit deeper on the way that the show uses Hooded Justice. Uh, let's save Hooded Justice for a little bit, but if you can give an overall view of the who the main character would be, because I would say it's definitely uh, King's Angela. character, uh, and how she's the center to all of it. I think if you want to give the breakdown to it. I think... Yeah, well, the show does a really interesting job, uh, a really interesting thing in that while it involves a lot of familiar aspects, uh, the first two episodes really follow closely the story of Angela Abar, a a policewoman living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, who was born in Vietnam. Uh, she we find out through the course of the show that she has a tragic past in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and that Uh, Her family's legacy has a tragic past in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I thought one of the really brilliant things about this show is the way in which uh, it opens on that 1921 Tulsa massacre, the Black Wall Street massacre. Real uh, event. A a, a real event. event. Recontextualized to fit within the narrative of the show uh, as uh, being kind of Oklahoma's racist legacy uh, and, and something that inspires uh, the creation in a way of the the first superhero in this universe yeah uh, so at the and the way that Angela Abar ultimately fits within Watchmen uh, it's intriguing because 
you you don't expect her to at first but when you start to get the pieces of the show you see the way that uh because she's a policewoman and in this society they've decided that policemen need to wear masks. masks. She's become a masked vigilante in ways herself. And mm-hmm. uh, her story is a reflection of her grandfather's story. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of extremely smart writing when it comes to stuff like that. He lied in that article that you said. Uh, Watchmen babies. Okay. Watch- so she's that a Watchmen was- granddaughter. That what he's saying there is his first thought is he didn't want to do Watchmen babies. That was within the context of talking about Lady True. So he was acknowledging that ultimately they got She's to the also point a where they are. No, that's what he's saying. He I know. At first thought he was not going to do Watchmen babies, and uh, because the way that myths work, the story demanded that there were uh, some legacy Watchmen characters. So he doesn't like the Last Jedi. Maybe not. Maybe that. Maybe it's his Ryan Johnson disc. So to me, uh, what, what really ends up happening towards the second half is, and I mean, you could really call it because it, it stems from the grandfather, the grandfather paradox that happens. And mm-hmm. uh, having talked about other HBO shows that are westerns that recently came out without spoiling too much time, they do a lot of narrative timeline jumping as well. Uh, here, though, there is literal, actual, not time travel, but time bending with the character of Dr. Yeah. Manhattan since we're fully into spoilers now. Um, right. It all becomes this whole big... chicken and the egg paradox that comes up in episode eight. Hey, I'm going to start off right, right off of giving them a big plus. I love their answer. Very rarely. We always get the cliche. Chicken, and the, chicken or the egg, chicken or the egg. The man said both. Because I'm yep. living both simultaneously. Uh, just the way that the whole show is structured from you seeing her, uh, who you think is her confidant. What the heck? He's got a uh, robe, <laughs> in the, which was hilarious because uh, what's the actor's name who ends up having uh, the robe? Don the, Johnson? Was he not the same guy in uh, in Django Unchained who went, I can't see out these damn eye holes? <laughs> I don't know if he was. <laughs> I'm almost positive it was still him, and that's my favorite line from Django because it makes absolutely no sense. Yet again, another clan member. Uh, he was just in Knives Out. Yet again, someone who also... Yeah, you're right, you're right. It exactly. was Don Johnson. Um, so, uh, again, towards the end of it, when you realize that the entire thing is a ploy, Dr. Manhattan saw Interstellar and he realized there was love out there and somehow, you know, call it the chosen one paradox, the Neo paradox, decides to go with a, a, a woman who he's known his entire life. And again, paradoxes can get very tricky because it's like, where's the beginning, the middle, the end? He lives everything simultaneously. And I think the way they approach that was beautiful. The way that it became a love story was beautiful. All the way down to the death, it was a very interesting way of going like, when did you fall in love with me? Ten years from now. I see it all at once. When did you fall in love with me? Or or when did we... um, When it comes ten years later and he's looking at her and he says, he's like, this is the moment I fell in love with you. He's like, we've been together ten years and this is when you see (laughs) it. And now? I kind of love that that dissatisfaction almost that she had there. Great way. Even his death, right? We've always had the cliché. Dying on the keeps her says before I go I want to see one last person. I do question the, the first one just to be the nitpicker here, and I want your response. So let's go at Please. it. Let's start this jar, this jousting right here. Um, I don't know. A little too cliche to be like out of all the people we could have met, it just so happens to be the person who is the granddaughter of Hooded Justice, who one uh, looks completely different in the comics. I'm, I'm just physique wise, physique wise, not look like Will Reeves. Um, and for it to be conveniently a thing where the man who can control everything and see the future finds no alternative way 
till he does find an alternative way in the ninth episode. How do you see that? Did you ever feel it was a little too convenient, the way that the whole paradox works? You know, not really, because I kind of look at it the way, and, and I can't believe I'm about to make a reference to Marvel, but the uh, Doctor Strange moment. In, it was uh, a Doctor Strange moment. Right. In, in, in that, way. like... The, the ability that he has to see... I, I know, I'm a, I'm a nerd. Let's go for it. Scorsese's um, crying right now. <laughs> the, but the, the way that uh, he's able to see through to the future and the past and experience it all as one, knows the one I, I kind of figure it's kind of that... Okay. It, it works in that sense. And, you know, th- there is this thing that exists in a lot of literature about the idea of the power of love, and it's a bit intangible, and it can be a little bit squishy and hard to define. But, like... Look, if you sell me on the romance, I'm willing to go with you there. And I really bought that they were in love. I, I bought that they had this uh, the, this relationship that tied them together. And, and, you know, he felt attached to her and she uh, grew grew fond of him. And I the the tragedy of their their uh, promised tragic ending, I thought really worked. So I'm able to kind of not think too hard about time paradoxes when you give me a story that kind of moves me on that emotional level. And both really convince you that they were in love. Right. Regina's character likes him because... She falls in love with Dr. Manhattan because... What is it? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you because at first when I saw it, I was like, I just don't buy the relationship of a god falling in love because that was the whole big issue in the comics he doesn't this man does not care in the comics there's that very famous scene with um she's in this too the older version of her um the fbi agent who was his girlfriend uh, back yeah, in the day specter or the second silk Spectre. yeah the daughter of uh comedians daughter as well uh there's that very famous scene where there's like tw- there's like five of him and she's like yo yo this is weird he's like oh i'm sorry he's like Sorry, where are you? And he's 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 working on something else. He's like, you just don't get it, do you? It's like, you need to be here in the moment. And he just couldn't see love at all. So I will, from that perspective, I can kind of buy the fact that he was like, Well, well I mean, yeah, but also to, to <laughs> I guess to, to make it simple, I mean, what's not to love about a god? You know, he, he has oh, all these abilities and, you know, she's Angela's- so... She's so skeptical of him when he first sits down yeah. at the bar with him in that episode, and she just ends up being charmed by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you know there's just something to say about his nature and his disposition, uh, and he's played so so charismatically by uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen the uh, second. I just think like I buy I buy into that relationship. I don't know. I I when seeing um, uh, Angelica is that her name right Angelica uh, Angela. Angela, sorry. Angela's whole arc of never being able to have anything, like, solidified. You know, she goes to right. Vietnam. Oh, yeah, and she gives him security. Uh, he gives her security. He gives you know? her security. Alina told me that. He's like, I don't see why she would like him. She should be very cynical about this. And he's like, well, exactly. She's a cynical person who finally has someone who tells her everything. And it isn't mm-hmm. until that starts to fall apart, you know, because he decides to become the human that he is. Um that uh, things are getting rocky. And I was like, all right, that, that does make sense on her perspective. This is a, a girl who lost her parents because right. technically of Dr. Manhattan. This is a girl who uh, then gets rescued by her grandmother, 
who dies from a heart attack right as she's she's about to take her back. And then eventually you got this guy who, in a sense, caused your parents' death a little bit uh, vicariously, who ends up giving you the, um, what's it called? Um, st- stability that you never thought you could have because he knows everything until he doesn't. It's just the God factor of it. I feel it's kind of like, um, uh, you've seen The Good Place? Yeah, of course. It's still humans writing for angels and how they hate humans. I was like, well, it's still a human writing it in a sense. I always have that. I know that's more of a nitpick than anything, but it's just always like we try to make these overly God beings very human, I guess, is my thing. And I loved that with Ozymandias. I just feel it's the Superman complex, which is what Alan Moore was tackling in the comic. And I feel a lot of people now have the issue over here because in the comic, he goes, bye. And he dips to Mars. And in this one, he's like, yeah, but what if like, what if love? Right. And it's a little bit for me, but I I did like it. I I I like the relationship. It's also like you don't have a story if he doesn't come back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do Watchmen babies. And yeah, you know, the thing is with Dr. Manhattan that he does have human in him he does have human know? in him yeah and and there is a part the, again yeah. the part that i thought he does great as being a fan of lost as uh not finishing leftovers yet but the way that he plays uh with the storylines there having a dude who can be at that moment of fear that line when was the last time you felt fear right now right yeah that's wild when was and, the last time you fell in love with me right now it's also the first time i met you it's also the time i'm dying it's everything at once and i was like that's an interesting character the ways in which Lindelof is able to play with time, I think, is clever. Are are really clever, and they work on a very emotional level too. Uh, you th- think back to the way in which he would do the same thing on Lost, how he'd have a flashback that resonated with what's happening in the present, and he's very good at he's doing good at this type of thing. Uh, uh, he does a great job between six and eight. Episode six being, go ahead. Because I know that was uh, one of your favorite episodes yeah, of the year. Yeah, this extraordinary being probably one of the best episodes of television this year, if not the best episode. And and I would say far and away the standout episode of this season. Mm-hmm. I think you'd agree with me. Yes. Uh, it, the kind of backstory of the Hooded Justice character um, in which we kind of get this vision of uh, how it came to be in which uh, a culture could whitewash the idea of of a superhero in which uh, it, Will Reeves hides his identity in order to the not around the eyes and fear, everything. yeah, be, be uh, invoke fear mm-hmm. and be inspiring. You know, uh, it's it's a thing that cements Watchmen in a world we're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, taking on the that uh, ra- that weight of that racial complex, but it does it in a way that doesn't feel hokey and feels, you know, like it belongs in the timeline that we're familiar with. It does. That was the craziest thing is finding, and we see this so many times with people wanting to go back in prequels and trying to answer something. We've seen it through Star Wars. We've seen it in all of our superheroes as well. They'll go back and be like, what if we answer that question? Do you realize answering that question causes a lot of other things going on? Here, because you got the comic, you got the graphic novel, and you got this, they found a way to address a lot of things. The only nitpick mm-hmm. being what I was telling you, the stature of yeah. the, the Hooded Justice in the comic is almost like of a Ringling Brothers type person. And they right. answer it in here because in the comic they go, he went missing. But everyone believes that he's also the other guy who they found dead. And they address him a little bit, um, I want to say in the series, besides the stature not lining up, 
that was a solid ass story. That yeah, was a, it was dope. So to me, and like I understand, maybe my opinion is a little bit skewed by not having that history with yeah. the comics that you do. Uh, but the fact that he isn't this muscular guy and he isn't this white guy as he's depicted in that Watchmen show within the show, which yes. I want to talk about that more in a little bit too. Dude, uh, well, American amazing. hero story. Yes, hilarious. Uh, but I think you could include the idea of his stature being of this like big jacked guy as part of this way in which uh, culture has sort of made it like a revisionist history, right? The way in which you look at all these aspects of culture that were started by black people, like, like different styles of music from rock and roll to jazz and then adopted uh, by, by white artists or, or, or white, uh, faces mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, taken to a new level. I think you could include the depiction of hooded justice in that idea of this is the story America decided to tell itself about hooded justice, not what actually he looked like and actually his build was like. I agree with you. Granted. It's actual full scenes in the comics where you do see his build like that. But I agree with you. No, no, no. I love the retconning, if we want to call it that, because this this is yeah. the issue uh, that a lot of people are having problems with. And you know there was a uh, totally. whole big uproar. Uh, and that's the only one where I'd be like, okay, I mean, just off of the stature, sure. If we're talking Rorschach, bro, having, <laughs> having reread the comic, people were like, how could you make Rorschach racist? Have y'all read the comic? <laughs> this man has lines up the... He goes... Well, if that guy's a Nazi, I might as well be one, too. He, that is his literal line in the comics as well. He talks about uh, uh, homosexuals and all of the scum in the streets. He's practically walking around like he's taxi driver, talking about how he wants to clean the streets and stuff. So I thought that was a, 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 a genius way of transitioning what would be a symbol that used to be mm, one of the superheroes, one of the Minutemen, uh, or not necessarily the Minutemen, one of the Watchmen, uh, that then transitions into being this massive cult that they have behind the scenes. Yeah, that's one of the amazing things I think about this Watchmen show is the way in which it's able to incorporate certain iconography that Mm -hmm. uh, we know from the original Watchmen. You know, that Rorschach mask is maybe one of the most famous images we have from Watchmen and uh, kind of reintegrate it, uh, (laughs) not necessarily, you know, uh, losing the ties to the original, but making it new. The, The way in which all of the Night Owl gear had become adopted by the different policemen. Yes, uh, which yeah. I also well, thought was such an interesting thing, like you said, where something uh, that sw- swapping the roles right at the beginning. Uh, now it's a black cop pulling over a white person, and it's right. the one who's. There was a quote in the. Uh, maybe you can quote it a little bit better than me. That when a white man wears a hood, he's a hero. But a black man wears a or a, a white man wears a mask, he's a hero. Lone Ranger, Batman, all of that. Black man wears a mask, he's a criminal. Right. And that reversal and seeing it. Um, I do think he was way too on the nose sometimes. And it's not that the uh, original comic didn't do that, but there is some times where he's very on the nose. And I do wonder if a person of color would have written or directed, if there would be a little bit more subtlety. Yeah, I do moments. know that they had some uh, people of color in the writer's room, and I think uh, they had a black writer on one or two of the scripts that's uh-huh. during the season. And I say uh, this... But yeah, he is, it is... Uh, coming from Lindelof and I think it's been interesting to listen to him talk about how he feels there are ways in which this is totally not his story to tell mm-hmm. uh, he said that in okay, interviews he said that, all right, all right, just making sure because there was some points where I was like I don't know how much I mean he's doing a good job approaching it yeah well, I don't know if he's got like what a Jordan Peele would have and what he did with Get Out and stuff uh, and, right. and to be surprisingly it does not come from any of the Will Reeves 
It doesn't come from Angela's, none of that. It, to me, it actually come from whenever you had the white supremacists going, it's a hard time for America if you're a white. Right. I was so like, that's very I, on the nose. I think they did the they did the thing where they gave uh, the villain speech, and right. there's no villain speech that really sounds right. Right. Uh, I I do think that maybe in that ninth episode they had to do a little bit of like tying things up and giving yeah. everything it's due in a way that maybe felt a little bit TV exposition-y. I think, for example, that uh, interaction that Vite had with the newspaper man was like kind of a pure fan service in a way that I didn't need. Yes, well, having read the comics, I was telling you before this as well, that dude is the same exact, not the same exact guy, but he resembles a lot. There's a whole issue where a guy is sending comics and it's a very funny bit because there's always a dude who says the end is nigh and he goes, you need your newspaper today? He's like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Even though the world is ending today. The world is always ending and he's like, oh, is it ending today? Yeah. All right, see you tomorrow. All right, see you tomorrow. What does the scene end with? Ozzy saying the end is nigh. So I thought that was a nice little callback, and I agree with you. I didn't mind those too much, but I, I feel you the same way. A lot of it feels like, uh, I wouldn't call it filler, but definitely callbacks to stuff. Some things were a little, you know, Snyder did his version of Watchmen. Snyder tends to do a lot of religious metaphors. I have never in my life seen the ending. The freight... Uh, Okay, I'm not a fan of it. The split diopter. I'm not a fan of that one. And I have been jotting down every diopter shot since since earlier this year when us decided to do a whole scene with it. Having Jesus up in the back and then her when the fish comes down, the squid comes down and gets pierced. I was a little, I was a little, I'm like, okay, that's a little too on the nose there. No. My man said that the squid was supposed to be like an artillery gun. I ain't seen no bullet holes other than her hand. That thing goes through her hand, but it doesn't go through the little, doesn't go through the telephone booth, doesn't go through the cars. That's where I started thinking. Uh, I, the biggest criticism I've heard of the finale is that it's too optimistic. After all of the dark history and the way that the book ends, that it's so optimistic. The bad guy gets arrested. Ozzy goes to jail. Mm -hmm. Our heroes are still alive. All the kids are good. Justice, justice, justice. It almost kind of stripped away from that. Watchmen-esque thing. Watchmen was saying right. it's not like a it's not your other superhero comic. This is the real I, world. I hear that interpretation, but I think it's balanced out by the death of the one super being that we have, Doctor Manhattan, Fair. like in a in a too pure for this world kind of sense. That uh, he could have done more. You know, I agree we, that. But like in in this pursuit of power that man has in this uh, in the way that the. The senator is not content just being president. He wants to be a god. Lady True is not content just being the smartest woman in the world. She wants to be god. Like, it, because humans have this desire for more than they already have, uh, we lose some things that are precious. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's ultimately what uh, what Watchmen is kind of telling us by the end. Even though a lot of uh, the story ends up in a good place. It, th there is that that balancing thing to the universe. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, while I don't know if uh, ultimately the seventh caval cavalry amounted to much, you know, I was much more intrigued by them. And they did a thing with the Looking Glass episode where you think for a moment maybe they're not bad guys, and, yeah. and then they kind of just fall off for the last few episodes as uh, the show gets a little bit more uh, centrally, internally looking, and almost a little bit more about the Watchmen characters. Mm -hmm. uh, giving that episode six is about Hood of Justice. Episode seven 
Seven exactly uh, is the lead into the Manhattan exactly. episode for the first five. Having the really the only big one be uh, Oz, Ozzy Ozzy being like the only one who's up there. I was like, oh okay, that's kind of cool. It's like you gotta at least keep one. And then, like you said, six comes around. It's like now the whole bunch coming back and granddaughters right. and whatever else. Um, I did like what I was saying earlier, how six and eight, narratively, right? Just putting the, the lore to the side, just the technical aspects of it. I loved how six prepped you for eight. In six, they go, all right, here's this pill that's going to cause different things to happen. And and now the character is literally seeing the edit to Watchmen season one, episode six. The way that it's flashing in her brain is exactly what we're seeing. And I thought that was a very genius way right. of putting you into the shoes of it. Just like Cal later on uh, at the ending of episode seven uh where he goes it was before my i really don't know what's going on and you're sitting there experiencing it for the first time going is she about it she just killed her husband that's a very mm-hmm. good moment to put you into it when you realize ozymandias statue that was sitting there the entire time from angela's perspective was just a statue i didn't know it was him <laughs> cryogenically right. frozen the show had a lot of hidden in plain sight twists that are so exciting and, mm-hmm. and speaks to how good of a TV writer, how good of a writer of episodic television Lindelof and his crew are. Uh, something that I really loved about this season is the way that it felt like a collection of short stories in that, you know, episode three reintroduces us to Lori Blake mm-hmm. and how she's, you know, has all these uh, conversations with a, with an, with a with a god who won't answer uh episode five gives us the history of the tim blake nelson character and what's the deal with looking glass and why does he wear all that reflectatine the the segmented nature the way that we delve into different people's histories uh similarly to how lindelof approached both lost and leftovers is something that i loved when combined with a world as rich as the Mm -hmm. one they created here it was a nice cheat code too because then by eight, he is able to show you something and then just randomly cut to a flashback. You know, mm-hmm. like someone puts a hood over and he just cuts the flashback because there's still side effects to the nostalgia. I was like, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You literally found a cheat code to be able to be like, ah, if only I could just cut to something. But I don't want to be too on the nose. Side effects. Man, right. it's perfect because we've been adjusted for episodes six and seven to have that type of editing. And then we meet in episode eight. A dude who literally is living every timeline and the perfect way to showcase this character would be in a visual medium where you can cut from where he's at at the moment to something else. And I was like, that's very clever. The whole entire yeah. time he was prepping you for that type of storytelling. I was like, right, that's pretty good. It's almost like he's been here a while. It's almost like he's written things before. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending you were talking about. I believe it was uh, the prophet Kanye West who had said, "Not one, no one man should have all that power. Mm-hmm. Does she? My man was whooping up waffles like it was donkey. He was like, in the morning, I'm waking waffles. But one of them was a special little egg that would have given her all of the powers of Dr. Mahan and is able to transfer to somebody else. She takes it. Does she walk on water? Does she not? Does it matter? Yeah. I mean, I I love the show ending where it does before we really have an answer to it because I, I think that ambiguity is a much more interesting question. Um, and, and to me, uh, I have an interpretation of it that I discovered is different than Damon Lindelof's interpretation of it because in that interview that I mentioned with uh, Angelica Jade Bastion he does say that he thinks she walks on the water uh, which is a strange conclusion I think uh, given as you've um, as we were talking about before we started recording uh, the words of Vite earlier in this episode Mm -hmm. Uh, that being said 
I think Angela is a very different character than uh, Lady True in that Angela comes uh, comes with this with all this tragedy around her uh, having not only lived through it but experienced generations of it through her taking of the nostalgia Mm -hmm. and I wonder uh, as almost if any of it was a promise to uh, the Will Reeves character. A little bit. I would say that because, I mean, he would not have left it for her. Like, I had just right. assumed the moment that Will Reeves says, he left you something, the egg thing. And I go, that's the waffles. So then she goes back, and I'm just waiting for her to pick up the waffle box. Or not right. the waffle, but the eggs that she herself had dropped. Because at the same time, the previous episode, why was this man, e- why was this man eating waffles? It clearly but there's also that, something. that last note that Will ends on mm-hmm. uh, mentioning uh, he could have done more, you know? And I agree 100% with that. And like Ozzy had said, my daughter, anyone who wants to be God that bad will not be – it's going to do something else completely with it. Right. So if she does have powers, what are your predictions for season two, what you would like to see for season two? I personally believe they're all lying and they already have season two written. I mean Lindelof swears he's done with this, although Regina King has suggested she's not. Oh, Regina King wants to do this for the rest of her life. Like you have to understand this was the first role she took after the Oscar. Right. Like, the only other person I'm very curious to see what to take next is, uh, what's her name from Three Billboards? Because Frances has not taken anything. Like, she's like, nope. No, she has said no so many times. But this was Regina's, like, first big thing that she Isn't wanted she to do. Isn't she doing Chloe Zhao's new movie? Who? I think uh, Frances is doing Chloe is Zhao's Is she really? Movie. Yeah. Ooh. Um, who would you like to see in season two, though? Ooh, I I mean, that's a hard question. You know, Hong Chao is one of our favorites. So I was really excited when she showed mm-hmm. up uh, here and she's so great here on the season. As she uh, is on Homecoming, which we mentioned before, definitely go catch that show. Amazon Prime. Yeah, but but looking ahead to season two, I mean, I don't, I don't even know who I would uh, consider as. Uh, even just, you know, just storyline wise, because say she does take it. It works. Right. She now has this massive responsibility unless it's proven, which seems to be the cycle, that, of course, she's not going to be able to handle all that power. You have right. no story. I I think that ultimately it's going to have to pull a bit of a, you know, time gap or movement gap. I think what season two would have to be would be something that's not set in Tulsa and probably about something very different. Mm-hmm. Um in order for it to work but you know that's that's maybe too much too big of a question d- to answer like an anthology you know, almost like have without Watchmen. really thinking it through you know yeah so having like the second one just take place in a completely different place that doesn't really have to do with what's going on there yeah all right or put zendaya in it i like zendaya hey there you go it's just a whole euphoria <laughs> episode <laughs> so who's your favorite character out of the out of the out of the bunch here yeah, I think it was a pretty stacked cast from top to bottom. I mean, even Louis Gossett Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Will Reeves role w- w- was great. Um, I don't know. Uh, for me personally, uh, I really liked Ozzy Mendez's character. Only or Ozzy Mandias. I know people say it differently. Um, that whole concept of him thinking he was going to go to his utopia, only to realize he was sent to his utopia just to be torture, and that whole concept Slowly of... Slowly going like, cra- insane, yeah. Yeah, just the, the whole back and forth that he had with the Adam and Eves there, if if that's mm-hmm. what you want to call them, um, and he just abused them. 
Because he was right. just like, you guys just don't get it. All the way up to that last one where we put the mask on, saying that uh, when you put a, a mask on a man, it makes him cruel. Um, and he still even kills that guy. Uh, yeah. But all the way to the end of him actually breaking himself and, and saying, I'll never call you daughter. Mm-hmm. Man wrote it on the moon. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, and I do like Angela's character. I, I still, we had mentioned in one of the previous intercuts how it's become one of the most badass characters who they don't want you to dress up as. King's gone on record right. saying, please do not dress up <laughs> like my character. That's not the purpose of it. But it's also Rorschach. I knew so many people in high school who used to do the Rorschach masks. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> you know, that's got a little bit of a, would you be walking around like this? Um, right. That's a little bit of a switch that's happened there, but I'm very curious to see what else they do because there's still a lot of other characters that they covered within the comics. Um, one of the, the most intriguing ones to me was uh, this guy named Dollar Bill. I think it was his name or Mighty Bill or something. It was how the concept became that so many people wanted their own superhero that it became marketable. Banks, you hey, don't go to the other bank. We have our own superhero, Mighty Bill or whatever his name was, right? And he was the one who was protecting that bank so your money was safe. But in order to market him, they wanted to put give him a cape. And that cape got stuck in the turn, turn, whatever, turnstile for the door. He got shot in the head. And that's how he died. So there's so many, like, the, see, that's just like, and that is told in an excerpt of a book that Night Owl was right. writing in the comic. I would love to see little stories like that. I would love to see if the next one wasn't even a complete season, but anthology episodes of different things that are happening within the world. I would love to see an episode of the, of the, the sun. Who right at right. the end sees the the costume and has like a completely different view of his mom, of his guardian. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot more to explore. And while yeah. uh, the secret identity of Lube Man. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to see what happens next there. I would love to see Ozymandias uh, actually go on trial. Do you do you have a theory for Lube Man? Because I, I feel like the internet's fe- figured out that it's Petey. Really. Yeah, uh, I mean, his. if you read some of the Petypedia updates, which is another cool thing that they've been doing, is uh, giving you some context online in this website they call Petypedia. I've seen excerpts. Is, is that where it comes from? Some people were saying, it's like, you won't find this in the show. you got to find this elsewhere. And you know I'm a yeah. sucker for ARG with the Cloverfields and stuff. So I still got a yeah. lot of more research to do on this one, but yeah. He has a way of observing a lot of stuff that uh, is reminiscent of the way that Lube Man is there just kind of observing <laughs> Uh, and his disappearance at the end, similar to Petey's disappearance. I don't okay. Know. Interesting. Uh, any other little things that you liked or wanted to talk about when uh, coming to, regarding to Watchmen? Um, not so much, but I will say one of my favorite scenes with uh, Blake, it reminded me very much of Get Out, uh, was we were talking about the speeches from the bad guys being a little too over the top. I yeah. really liked the uh, trap door. I yes, love that scene yeah. so much because it doesn't work at first. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was the perfect balance of tone between the goofiness and like, that's the speech I want to see. Not the, mm-hmm. it's been a long, hard time for white in America. And whatever speech he was giving, I was like, this is way too on the nose for me personally. But that scene where she was like, all right, you're just going on and on. <laughs> yeah. Blooped her down. Uh, yeah, that, that I thought was hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, overall, that was, a, it's a, it's a very engaging show that narratively just sucks you in because every episode that you see, it's that rabbit hole. It's the JJ uh, mystery box type, type thing, which just makes mm-hmm. you want to know more and more about what's happening. But I really do need to rewatch it because you've seen it a total of three times, I want to say. So you've <laughs> been able, two and a half. So you've been able to pick up on things that I have yet to go back and rewatch because, again, mm-hmm. um, 
it's there's some some of the things that you don't even have clues for. You literally right. will not know that that is him in the statue until you see episode nine. So I can't even imagine how many other things like you said about the loop thing. I haven't even reconsidered that at all. Right. Yeah, the the show really does reward paying close attention. You know, there's that uh, moment early on where you see 7th Cavalry members disassembling watches to get the lithium batteries, and that doesn't really come back until the ninth episode. And, yeah, uh, I, I think when you can see all those little things and know the context, it's going to be uh, that much more rewarding of a show uh, to, to watch. Uh, we, we've already talked about how brilliant that sixth episode is. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with the Watchmen comics, but I've been mm-hmm. watching a lot of the uh, Screen Crush videos and mm-hmm. a lot of other uh, different companies have been posting all the Easter eggs and just all the little things they do, whether that's like the way that Looking Glass picks his mask up and eats beans from a can the same way that Warshak, Warshak. did. And uh, it's stuff like that that's so fun and clever and makes me really in awe of how the show works both as uh, a way of continuing this intellectual property and creating something new, bringing in all these elements from reality uh, and, and having the show really be about something, have yeah. have actual things to say about uh, how we feel about race in America and our responsibilities towards uh, crimes of the past. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the way that it's about something and made us focus on uh, an incident that a lot of people didn't know about, the 1921 sure. massacre. I'm, I really am impressed that Lindelof would go to such lengths and, and do it in a way that felt like it did it justice. You know? I agree. It, it did exactly what Alan Moore was trying to do with the graphic novel itself. I'm right. just very curious to see if he ever watches it and what he thinks about it, knowing what Alan yeah. Moore feels about adaptations. I am not going to hold my breath for a response from <laughs> Alan Moore. But here we did like it. I know it was your yes. favorite of the favorite of the year, and I highly recommend that it. That is Succession. Yeah. So go watch good. Succession too. <laughs> uh, go get an HBO subscription. Is really what this sounds like over here. Uh, Euphoria, yeah. Euphoria. High maintenance. Barry. It's too much. It's too much. Yeah. So uh, that's all for this edition of Let Us Explain on Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich, or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Multiplex Show Art. Where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show. Let me explain on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, YouTube, I think I said. Or you just find me here every single week on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Overcast. And then, once you've subscribed to the audio feed, subscribe to the video feed on YouTube.com slash Multiplex Show, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest entertainment for you. Uh, You can find new episodes of Intercut every Friday. Please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star review, and like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all of our guests here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, nothing ever ends.